Hello, and welcome to the School of Wealthy Living, where we take a deep dive into the true meaning of building a wealthy life in the four pillars of finances, family, fitness, and fun. Hosted by myself, Erica Williams, and myself, Adriana Gentile. Join us as we scale our six and seven figure companies and live our best lives as we capture the true meaning of a wealthy life. Welcome back to another episode of the School of Wealthy Living, where we take a deeper dive into what it means to live a truly wealthy life. I'm ho- I'm hosting with my co-host, beautiful Adriana. Hey. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We are super excited about today's episode because we have a very special guest that we had the honor of meeting at the Conscious Life Expo in LA earlier this year. We are bringing to you Eric Cassano, who is the founder of Aquarian Alchemy and a wellness coach who specializes in conscious connected breathing and emotional trauma release. He studied under DP Mahesh in Hadakan, you might have to correct me on that, uh, India, where he became certified in five, <laughs> five element breathwork. Eric teaches clients to find happiness and strength by reconnecting to their breath and the elements of the earth. Welcome, Eric, to the School of Wealthy Living. Thank Woo! you. It's good to be here. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I was so excited to have you on because I think we all, three of us really connected at the Conscious Life Expo. And, you know, when you meet people that are just on the same frequency, on the same wavelength, you're like, all right, this is something that we definitely need to record because I think it's going to be so valuable for the listeners, um, especially just everything that we're going through collectively. I think meditation, breath work, we've all been on our own journey with implementation, the, implementing all of these techniques. And so we're really curious to understand, first of all, how do you define meditation and breath work for yourself? And then what led you to those two techniques? Ooh. So. Loaded uh, question. Yeah, we're getting heavy real quick. <laughs> cool. Cool. So in the West, um, when people say breath work, it's sort of, uh, they, they're, they're generalizing it a lot. So really, uh, Breathwork is, it's when we breathe really deep for about an hour and a half. Now, if you do anything less than that, we can consider that pranayama or breathing exercises. But uh, nowadays, people, if they're just doing a little breathing techniques, oh, breathwork, but really defined, it's, it's when you breathe deep for an hour. And while all breathing exercises are really good for you, when you breathe deep for an hour and a half, uh, the human body goes through a very particular experience and you begin to release all kinds of old traumas, blockages and emotions. That way we can, we can focus better and we don't have all these sort of programs that are in our head. So basically I like to say that breath work is an excellent way to wash the brain, not brainwashing, but literally give it a nice cleanse I love that. and it cleanses the whole body because we have to know that we detox 70% of all toxins out of our breath and 70%. So, and the other 20% is out of our sweat wow. and the other 10% is from the other <laughs> stuff from the, 
the lower yeah. chakras. Well, <laughs> I was today years old when I found out that I've never really done a session of breath work then because I don't know if I've ever done it for an, an hour and a half. Do you, were you like a master at it right away? Did you have to work yourself up to that? Because I'm sure all of our listeners are like, whoa, you know, busy, fast paced life, an hour and a half. That's a lot of time. Like, how long did it take you to work up to that? Or were you just a master right off the hop? I mean, the first time I did breath work, um, the hour thing, uh, first 10 minutes I was in it, I said, oh my God, I've been looking for this my whole life. I'm going to tell everybody. It was, I, yeah, I, 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 was, I was looking for it because I had dabbled in kundalini yoga. I had, I, have, I had a kundalini experience when I was 27, so about 12 years ago. And it wasn't in a class and it wasn't that anybody taught me anything. My first uh, spiritual experience at 27, you know, the Saturn returns, if you will. I almost joined the 27 Club, wow. but here I am alive, so all good. I'm very <laughs> glad about that. I, um, I'll tell you how I had <laughs> – thanks, thanks. Uh, so when I was 27, my a buddy of mine gave me a book called The Idiot's <laughs> Guide to Chakras. So cheesy, so silly. And, and I'm, I'm reading this book, and – uh, there's a chapter about Kundalini. I never heard of this sacred energy that lives at the base of our spine. And in this book, it said, if I hold my breath and do my Kegel exercises while holding my breath, that I can activate Kundalini. <laughs> and I was like, come on, whose leg you pulling here? Yeah, sure. I'll give it a go. But it wasn't just about giving it a go. It was actually about believing it. So belief is a big part along with doing all the physical exercises. So 27, get this book. Read uh, this little, it was, it was three steps to having a Kundalini activation. And basically, like I said, take a deep breath, hold it. I did it, held my breath, started kegling, and I felt this energy going up my spine. I was like, whoa, what is happening? And in about three minutes, it felt like this energy went up to my head wow. and exploded. And I started shaking and laughing. And I said, what is this? And, I, and all I could think is, I guess this is the Kundalini and here comes my new life. So that high wow. lasted six months for me. And during those six months, I felt parts of my brain unlocking. It was, and I didn't even have a regular practice or anything. And it just get getting more intense, more intense. And then it declined slowly after about six months. But during those six months, I studied everything I could about, uh, and I, I, was, I was getting introduced to Kundalini energy. Uh, pineal gland, psychicism, DMT, all this new age sort of stuff that I had no idea about. And that was just the beginning of my journey. So at the end of the six months when I felt normal again, but I had new knowledge under my belt, I said, well, how do I get it back? <laughs> how do I get this energy back? And it took me six years for this flyer to land on my doorstep that was uh, a... a advertisement for a breathwork class. And uh, there was a picture of my teacher, my future teacher, DP Mahesh was on it. And uh, so I found this flyer. I said, yeah, let's give it a try. And the moment I did my first rebirthing session, I was so blown away. And, and I was like, wow, not a lot of people know about this because people are trying plant medicine. They're trying Kundalini yoga. They're doing all this stuff. But I find most people I know have a really hard time releasing old programming and old stagnant emotions. And I found this to be the ultimate way. I find it to be more powerful than plant medicine. No disrespect to ayahuasca and mushrooms. Love that stuff. But no doubt, I have had conversations with ayahuasca 
asking it about the breath work and any plant will tell you, yes, do the breath work. Yes, it is superior because mm. human DMT yeah. is on a higher vibration than plant DMT, believe it or not. So we can access our own. Yeah. It's good. I think this is, this is such an important definition for people because I feel like when a lot of people start their healing journey, they're looking for an external source. So they want to go somewhere. Yeah. They want to have a mystical or magical experience. You know, they want to travel. They want to, you know, which is not bad, but everything's internal. And that's really the work is going inwards. And I feel like this is such a natural um you know, tool that everyone can tap into. It's free. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be paying, you know, X amount of whatever for a session. You might want a guide or you might want someone helping you through it initially. But I find that, and so even just to back up, because I do want to preference, you know, obviously our listeners, we don't know, you know, what beliefs are, what they're they're coming from, but this is all our own perception. This is all our own perspective. So, you know, take what you feel aligns, leave what you may not. And um, just know that this is really just to bring people together and unite each other and offer tools that could maybe help in healing, help people break through some of these things like the trauma, um, like the detoxing, like the negative programming. So we're not saying that this is like a golden rule, but I do believe that breathwork is a you know master key in a way because I came with a Christian background. So a lot of these things that, um, you know, and there is negative programming around that. So when we talk about some of these things, like even plant medicine or psychism, it's very uh, taboo. It's very, oh, is that dark? Is it not? You know, and so there's a lot of fear around that. And so sometimes you go externally for these tools and you can't integrate it because there's a block, like your belief is so important in this, right? So I find with breath work, it's such an easy intro because everyone breathes <laughs> and you're breathing anyways. It's just a new way of doing it and a more conscious, connected way of doing it. That's actually, and in a lot of cultures, breath is known as spirit. So it's actually connecting us to more parts of ourselves and more parts of, you know, God, Holy Spirit, whatever, you know, your belief system is. And that's why I love it because it's, it's so accessible. It's so they're right in front of people waiting to be, you know, picked up and utilized. Um, so maybe you can speak on that of like, how did, what was your first journey with your breath work? What did you experience? Like what was going on in your body? What was going on mentally? Just kind of take us through, because a lot of people haven't done these sessions. And even me and Adriana, we've definitely done breath work, but not an hour and a half. <laughs> so we're very curious to know. Cool. So I actually like to call Kundalini the Holy Spirit, because I also come from a Christian background. And I am a follower of Christ, but I'm not huge into the dogma of Christianity. And, and I think Jesus was a really different dude than, than what we're taught he was in mainstream Christianity. So the first time I did breath work, um, I went right into tetany. So a lot of people, not to scare anyone, because breathwork is non-dogmatic. What does that mean? But if you're doing the heart... What is non-dogmatic? Uh, I'm sorry. The, it means that it, you don't have to have any sort of belief system. or it, You don't have to have a particular belief system to breathe deep. It doesn't come from any kind of... You, you could be from any culture and still breathe deep right. and still have profound experiences. Because like you said, prana is that. in the air. Mm -hmm. God is in the air. God is everywhere. So um, a lot of people, when they do, especially the first few sessions, they get something called tetany. And that means their hands cramp up like this and their whole body gets paralyzed temporarily. And that uh, when people's hands get like this, 
and they get cramped up. We call it lobster claw or tetany. That's actually an indication of a birth trauma. So if you're born in a hospital, most likely you have a birth trauma. I mean, for starters, uh, cutting the umbilical cord while it's still pumping blood is a bad idea. It's just, it's crazy, actually. The, the birthing situation in the hospitals, mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy. I, I don't know what else to say about it. So a better way, I'll, I'll tell you more about um, my first breathwork uh, journey, but I do want to mention, we do this, we do breathwork one reason to heal the birth trauma. In fact, with the birth trauma comes something called the unconscious death urge. And we all have it. We overeat. We don't exercise enough. We're not meditating. But that's just part of our culture. And so when we begin to do breath work and we begin to release these, this birth trauma, all of a sudden, we intuitively become more healthy. We, we all of a sudden don't want to eat that candy bar. We don't want to watch that TV. And yes, this takes time. It doesn't take one breath work journey for enlightenment. But... <laughs> One breathwork journey is profound nonetheless. So first time I did breathwork, um, I went right into tetany. I got paralyzed. And that was the moment I said, oh my God, this is amazing. This is what I've been looking for. I can feel the release happening. I was sweating and I've been a jogger my whole life and I've still never breathed like that. It was incredible to, to experience the power of the breath and how psychedelic and healing and incredible and blissful it is and it was just such an excellent way to get in touch with the Kundu, uh, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit. Because in Christian churches, sometimes people will get, I don't like to say possessed by the Holy Spirit. They'll get influenced by the Holy Spirit and people may start shaking and, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. That's, that's all they know. They don't know how to consciously invoke the Holy Spirit. And we do that simply through breathing deep. Wow. That's mm -hmm. so deep. And I, I wonder what the... Uh, neurological process like is it is a body naturally because I know we naturally produce DMT and that's de degressed over time toxins pollution people are naturally producing less DMT so they're less connected less connected to the Holy Spirit or you know whatever they're connected um, their belief system is but do you feel like this is a way because we're cleansing the brain we're washing the brain we're washing the body is that also activating higher levels of dmt yeah i think it's way easier to access our visual mind and the dmt the more breath work we do and and by the way mm -hmm. uh, like you said a lot of the listeners you know i know that you guys said that we don't a lot of people don't have two hours a day to dedicate to to breath work and that's that's a fact and i understand that we have jobs we have families we, we have things to do here in the matrix but we, what my teacher says is uh, a good place to start is doing uh, two hours of breath work once a week and then 10 minutes a day. And that's that. a great start. Yeah, that's amazing. I love Me that. Too. I think the best plan is the one that you can do. Yeah. <laughs> so if you create a structure and you're implementing these tools and you're just getting started, like if you start now, five years from now, where will you be? Well, <laughs> right. So really just breaking it down and getting started and taking action is so important. And that's yeah. Yeah. Just getting started. And like you said, you know, it's free. And, and when I show someone, they can do it forever for free. I love that. And so my, my burning question is, have you always <laughs> been this in tune with yourself or how were you led to discovering this, you know, this passion of yours? What was your life prior to breath work? And now what is your life after implementing breath work? Yeah, 
That's a great question. So I'm an audio engineer and uh, I've been playing in bands and mixing live music and stuff like that. I'm just a regular dude. And while I've always believed in God, I didn't understand psychicism, spirituality. I, I didn't get it. I wanted to get it. And uh, whew, I uh, no, I was not always connected to my body because I am a cancer survivor. And uh, I've dealt with that. And I know what that's like. And after beating cancer and uh, learning about fasting, because that's really what, what healed me. It wasn't, yeah, I, the surgery bought me time. Western medicine at, at, at best, <laughs> it can buy you time. Well, I'll just say it can buy you time, but, but Western medicine isn't going to heal the karma. It's not going to heal the, the bad habits that led you to getting cancer, but with fasting water fasting, juice fasting, and breath work, those, those things, just fasting and breath work together, that can really put you in touch with your body and you can realize how little food you actually need and you can realize how powerful you actually are. While breath work is great, it's another jam when you're doing it on a juice fast because if you don't have any food in your system, more uh, prana can travel through right. your body much easier. You're really yeah. inspiring me. I'm like, Eric, write me a program. Well, <laughs> I, need, I need to, you know, try this out because um, I think that's so, so And key. that's what, honestly, um, I come from a fitness background and now yeah. um, in our, in our programs, we've always implemented fasting because we just say how powerful it is to reduce inflammation, regulate blood sugars, almost as even like a bad habit breaker. But now when you layer on, breath work like that's just a whole other ball game yeah that's really cool totally totally and it's and and breath work's really incredible um i mean you could do it anytime you could do it while running you do it while working out but it's another beast when you're laying still when you're not um when your energy isn't leaking out on different body parts when you're laying still and breathing deep that's when it really travels through your arms travels through your legs your torso and it really gets these like nooks and crannies in your body when you're laying still. So that's also so that a very powerful said, then, best, concept. Best time of day. I have a question around when, when would the best time of the day and in what position then would you recommend breath work? So you're saying laying down. I don't think I've ever well, heard <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people during uh, rebirthing sessions or holotropic breathwork sessions, most people usually lay down. You can sit up and do it. But, um, but, but when you, I found more like, a few months ago, I really it really hit me uh, when I was laying when I was laying my spine down, relaxing my spine while breathing. I really felt the prana go to new areas of my body that was completely different than when I was sitting up. While sitting up and breathing is good because your spine is erect and it's really it, you can really feel it travel up. But when your spine is relaxed, it's a different beast. So they're both great and. Uh, I love that because I have a spinal defect and they, they found it when I was six, but they said it was from birth. Wow. And so I'm really curious what trauma will be released when I implement this. So I'm definitely going to, you know, either we do a follow-up, you know, maybe interview in a couple of months or something and I'll implement and we can do some shares. Um, I was just so curious, how does this work into a, a like kind of famous breath work is like the Wim Hof method. Sure cold plunging and doing some Wim Hof breath work. I know he does, um, you know, different styles and a lot of breathing in and out. 
what does your breathwork method entail? Like, what are people actually doing when they're doing this breathwork? So Wim Hof is the man. I call him the Jesus of our age. <laughs> cool. So imagine cool. doing, he, he is teaching uh, conscious connected breathing, but with retention on the exhale and then retention on the inhale, which is great. I do that every day as well. But imagine doing Wim Hof breathing. So conscious connected breathing, no retention for an hour. So he's teaching the good stuff. Just, just do his thing, no retention, an hour straight. And that's rebirthing or holotropic. Or they also call it transformational breath work. And sometimes they call it shamanic breath work. There's a lot of fancy names attached to just breathing really deep for an hour and a half. Wow. Um, well, I think I like literally want to go do breath work right now. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Erica, let's go do our breath work. <laughs> well, I, I want to answer your question. I want to answer your question. You said, what's the best yes, time of yes. day to do it? So if you want to go really extreme, I would say about 5 a.m. Reason being? 4 or 5 a.m. Um, when we do any type of concentration before the sun rises, mm. you're getting on circadian rhythm for one, which is really incredible. And something I've recently, sometimes I know things but I have no context to it. I can't put in the words. I don't have the research. I just know it. And people say, hey, you're crazy. Where's the proof? And if I'm lucky, I'll find the proof. So recently I discovered for becoming lucid and opening up the mind is that if we can do breath work or just concentrate while we're tired. So in other words, if we sleep eight hours a night normally, but then we get six hours of sleep and we wake up a little early, and we're a little tired, but then we begin to do breath work and concentrate. Uh, and then you can take a nap after that. So basically, if you, if you breathe deep and concentrate while you're tired, you're training your mind to be really present while you're tired. So it's going to be really easy to be Whoa. present while you're awake. And that also leads to lucidity because lucid dreaming is simply a byproduct of doing inner work. It's a byproduct of concentration. People who can concentrate really well they can easily become lucid. People who watch TV too much or who, who have a hard time focusing, normally those people have a very difficult right. time being wow. lucid. At I love that. Point. And I just want to pause on the lucid yes. dreaming for yes, a second yes. because I had this experience when I was little and this was like maybe, I remember moving when I was probably four or five up until seven and I would lucid dream and I didn't know what I was doing. I would just fly at night and it was amazing. I didn't realize, and I almost remembered when I was a teenager, I didn't really remember when I was that young, but I remember, you know, going out of my window and then going around my complex and kind of like going to the park and just like exploring. <laughs> and it was so fun because every night I got really excited to go and do it. And I know at some time, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's around seven that the programming starts to set in and your brain chemistry starts to change. And so your perception starts to change and your belief system, and then it just stopped. And so my also curiosity was, how do I get back to that awareness in my, you know, because we know a lot of stuff is going on. And this is my kinesiology background, super curious about the mind, about the chemistry, what's going on while we're sleeping. So can you speak on first, maybe define lucid dreaming? of, you know, what you would say for average people to kind of understand what it is, um, just to break that barrier. And then what, what's going on while we're lucid dreaming? <laughs> yeah. So simply put lucid dreaming means that we know that we're dreaming. Usually when people dream, they don't know they're dreaming. They, they in fact, 
I don't like to use the word victim. We're almost like a victim to our mm -hmm. dream environment. I, it's, you know what I mean? And uh, so it's the, the whole lucid dreaming concept is so fascinating because it's all about waking up, right? Every spiritual oh, so teaching is about waking up, but waking up while, while we're sleeping. Wow. And the ultimate way to wake up is to simply wake up early in the morning. Like I said, uh, wake up a little early. It's if you're a little tired, like I said, do your practice and then go back to sleep. And that will, that will make you lucid alone. So Stephen LeBurge, he is sort of the lucid dreaming king of the West. He actually did research of um, lucid dreaming in university. And, uh, and he has, he calls it what I'm referring to. He calls it the two, two, two method. So you wake up two hours early, you stay up two hours, and then you take a two hour nap. That is an excellent way into lucidity. And also simply, you know, writing your dreams down. That's sort of one one with lucid dreaming. That way you, you just, you, you begin to look deeper into your unconscious mind without writing and, and writing is such an important oh, yeah. human phenomenon. You know, I don't know if you guys know Thoth or Toth, the uh, Egyptian god of alchemy and writing. And so writing is, is such an important aspect of being a human being. And I think just starting with writing our dreams down, excellent way to access our unconscious mind. And I've recently found out how powerful it is to write down our waking life before going to bed. If like, I mean, I just started doing this one and I never understood the power of writing our day to day, but before, if, before going to bed, if we write down what just happened in our day, we are working on our memory, we're working on our concentration, and we're working on our visualization. And lucid dreaming is all about visualization, concentration, and relaxation. I love lucid dreaming. Wow, this so is like powerful. so cool. I love this. Um, that, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, even Erica and I, I think I shared this with you at the Conscious Life Expo. We've just been playing around with our dreams and trying to see if we can connect through our dreams. And so we were saying, um, okay, let's both write down a word before we go to bed and think about it. And, and let's just see if we can communicate in our dreams. And there's been a couple of failures. However, <laughs> there was one experience where um, we, we, we contacted each other the next day and I was like, Erica, it was the weirdest thing. I was in like a dead sleep and I just like woke up. Like, I don't know what it was. I just woke up. It was so weird. She's like, dude, I literally said in my dream, wake up. And I started to chuckle to myself because I thought it was a little bit kind of mean, but I was like, are you kidding me? Like I, I, we're pretty sure like she actually woke me up. Erica, what'd you want? And so this is so funny because the two experiences where it worked, um, the one experience I was doing it very lighthearted, like pulling a prank on your friend. Like mm. I was like, I'm just going to like tease her and it was very lighthearted. So I feel like there was not a lot of conscious effort. And I was like, wake up Adriana. And I was like, oh, that's kind of mean, like, haha, like didn't even know if it would work. And it did. And then the second time is we just said a word and the word actually matched and it was abundance. Mm. And I don't know if it was just, so it was like, so in flow. I don't know if I was receptive to her. Or she was receptive to my word or However, or we just, you know, consciously both thought of it at the same time. But it's so interesting when you start to play and bringing play back into this. And I think that's a great perspective around lucid dreaming and, and dream life. And I just saw actually a video and they said, you know, the best way, you know, because I, I get um, 
I have negative programming from kind of, you know, Christian upbringing and stuff in terms of, oh, is it dark? Is it dark energy and getting scared? But the best way to combat that is to laugh and to bring laughter and playfulness mm -hmm. in because it's almost like all those um, childhood movies and stuff. And they're like, when they finally just take the power back and control the monster, like the monster goes away. And so I feel like it's kind of that. It's like when you take the power back and you just laugh, you bring laughter and lightheartedness to the moment, it almost like those things dissipate. And so I feel like that's a mm -hmm. great tool to practice, even if you are in a dream, because everyone's had a nightmare or a dream that they don't want to be in. And so another tool is how do we start to have more positive dreams and less of the negative oh, or perceived negative that, you know, we're not, we're not wanting to go into. So maybe you can speak on that or elaborate. Are, and are we, yeah, and are I love we that. actually communicating in our dreams or is this like completely like not a thing? Well, I, I've read some articles that says that, or some articles that say that when we have a psychic experience, that it's happening at the same time. Like, I believe we can send and receive, but a lot of times psychic downloads, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, did we get it at the same time? I think it might work that way, in fact, because human beings are like little receivers. We're like walking, talking radios. <laughs> and, and, you know, old school radios actually have a quartz crystal with a copper wire wrapped around it and they're receiving frequencies that turns into audio. So our pineal gland actually, this, I think this is more new research. They, I guess they recently found our pineal gland has crystals yeah. in it. So we're literally like, Oh, don't even walking, get us going on free crystals. energy. Cause then we'll um, be here all day. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. Yeah. So, with, yes. Well, let's uh, yes. talk about diffusing yeah. nightmares or, or, you know, so for me, I don't just come from a Christian background. I think Yahshua is awesome and I'm a huge fan. I'm even a devotee to Jesus's grandmother, St. Anne, and she was powerful. So I'm just going to show you what this book looks like. You guys get this book. It's called saint anne grandmother of jesus now this is a cool. channeled book so at worst we can call it historical <laughs> fiction and so i've had i i love working with christ energy and i also work with other hindu deities because i really think that hinduism and christianity they i think they're more they're they are more tied together than people realize especially especially the mainstream christians yeah. who think hinduism is some weird culty thing but no, I, I believe that Christ learned a lot in India and in Egypt and from the Druids. And uh, so for me, I, I, I had a non-lucid kind of scary dream about a year ago, but I love the scary dreams because there's always something to learn there. So in this little non-lucid dream I had, uh, I had this scary monster chasing me and, and, I, and he was chasing me around a little bit and I looked at him and I just said, put my hand out and I started saying, Om Yashua, Om Yashua, Om Yashua, which is my, that's how I, that's what I say for Jesus. And as I said, Om Yashua, this scary monster melted and went away. And, I, and then I was happy. I was like, oh, cool. So, I mean, you'll hear about Jesus getting rid of um, all kinds of demonic energies or, or negative thinking. He, he will come anytime. And, and the scary demons, they, they're, they're scared of him. They'll just flee like roaches if you call on Jesus or the angels. Angels are also excellent beings to work with. Now, even if 
people like if somebody's watching this and they don't believe in psychicism or they say, well, that's woo woo. Everything that happens is only happening in our head. That's okay if somebody thinks that. But regardless, angels and Jesus represents love. And that's in the collective. And at worst, it's in our programming. So you can use these archetypes of love to combat negative experiences that are happening with internally. Yes. I love that. Uh, That's so important is that everything goes mm -hmm. back to love. hundred <laughs> percent. That's why I got cancer because I, I got disconnected from loving myself. And once I started loving myself, mm. ta-da. <laughs> I got chills. Well, hitting on that, actually, yeah. how do you, what is your belief with um, dis-ease creates disease in the body? Were you experiencing something that you feel maybe you brought on cancer to yourself, which I know this is a sensitive subject, but just curious to hear of your perspective on that. No. Wow. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on it lightly. Um, of course I did it to myself. Um, it was, I had imbalanced thinking and imbalanced diet and that's really what, it, oh, and shallow breathing. So that's all it takes. And I'm not trying to blame my birth defect, but I was born with something called cryptochism. Uh, we don't need to get into what that is, but I, I was born with this birth defect that, that made me at high risk of getting um, testicular cancer, actually. Wow. And uh, hmm. while I'm not going to blame my birth defect, it, it definitely made it easier for me to get cancer. But it's all perfect. I can't be mad because it, getting cancer and healing from it, it brought me so much joy. It brought me so much, so many beautiful techniques that I can now share with people. So without getting that, I wouldn't be able to help the amount of people that I'm doing. Or I'm not, I'm not helping them. I'm showing them how they can help them themselves, really. That's I the love jam. that. And I feel like that trauma, your trauma is always your biggest asset when it comes to your healing journey and then sharing that. Because now you are leading the way and people can look to you of like a light of, wow, look what he went through. And this is what I'm going through. And, you know, it is possible. There is things to do because, you know, we, we all witness how broken our systems are, how broken, you know, so we need to provide other solutions and leading it full circle back to the breath work. It's free. It's accessible. So why aren't we teaching people? Why doesn't everyone know that this is a free tool that they can tap into and utilize on a daily or at least weekly basis that can really make profound changes? And if we, even if we just talk about the cleansing and detox side of it, like forget everything else, just cleansing mm -hmm. and detox mm -hmm. all of your cells, washing your brain, like really, you know, everyone that's listening, just try it out, try it on. If it feels good, you know, keep going. But if it's not for you, like that's okay too. But just us having this conversation, I think is really powerful. And thank you so much for sharing your story because I think men's mental health is so important. And a lot of, yeah, like a lot of men aren't able to speak about their emotions. They're not able to, you know, put words into what is going through either mentally or emotionally spiritually whatever have you so it's so powerful to have you on here speaking about it and especially something so traumatic that everyone would think oh cancer is the worst thing that can happen to you yet you're on the other side of it saying it's one of i don't want to put words in your mouth but almost yeah the best yeah <laughs> exactly one of the most best things so how beautiful and just thank you for sharing that because Really, I think that's going to help a lot of people that listen to this. Yeah, and I just want to tie it back to cool. the fact that we are an entrepreneurial podcast. And so just curious, 
you discovered you're you're going through your own um, traumas in your life. You discovered breath work. You're like, wow, this is amazing. This is transformational. When did this pivot into? I think I could make a business out of this. And piggybacking off of what Erica said, um, you know, breathing is free. So, did you ever have any limiting beliefs where you're like? You know, will people actually pay for this or have you felt really called to do this as a business? Like, do you mind walking us through your entrepreneurial journey with your breath work and meditation? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I always wanted to share techniques on how people could raise their own Holy Spirit. And I was doing that before I learned breath work. Oh, you know, the Kegels, oh, exercise, Kundalini yoga, uh, plant medicine, whatever I could find, I wanted to share with people. Now I, so I, I wanted to teach yeah. breath work before I even knew about it. So, <laughs> but I, one thing that was difficult for me was charging people to show them how to breathe, charging people for spiritual spirituality. And I try to keep the word spirit out of it. And I try to just say, hey, this is a breathwork and lucid dreaming business. But anybody who really knows what's going on understands that I'm bringing like mystery school level stuff to people. And what I and I love Leonard Orr. Leonard Orr was my teacher's teacher. He's the guy who coined the term rebirthing breathwork. And Leonard Orr was a really moral, great dude who made a thousand bucks a head per breathwork client. You know, he that's what he taught. That's what I learned how to do. A thousand dollar session was his, his thing. But when you, what I found, if, if we're in the matrix, if we have a bank account, if, if we have to pay bills and we are just doing a simple exchange, if everybody leaves happy, then all good. That's what I found. If everybody thinks it's fair and, and I'm stoked, you're stoked. Hey, then great. So I, um, so like I said, first time I, I was, I, I did breath work. First time I went into Tetany, I said, this is what I have. This is what I want to teach. And I knew I would do it. I didn't know what that would look like. And it's taken many years for that to unfold. And, and I just found that people want this and not, it's not just that people want this type of technique who are, who, who want to heal, who want to expand their consciousness. I, uh, I'm really good at what I do. <laughs> and, and I love sharing this with people and, I, I never have an unsatisfied customer. So I, it's all about integrity and it's all about honesty. And if we just have a lot of honesty and integrity, we can never go wrong. How did you start? It's so true. And I think your value, your value is so high. And so it's almost tying it yeah. back to, you know, natural law, law of value. If you give more than, you know, you're compensated for, that's a win-win and people are so happy. And so I find this is an important topic to just touch on briefly because a lot of people, um, you know, if they are a meditation guide or a breathwork guide, they, a lot of the spiritual community or even just people that are more tapped in, it's almost like this negative programming within that side of things that they're like, oh, I shouldn't be in abundance or I shouldn't charge people for something that's so you know, natural or people can do for free essentially, but it's such a backwards way of thinking about it because if you want to help more people, you should have more abundance and abundance just because someone else gets abundance doesn't take any abundance away from you. So, you know, abundance for everyone is your birthright. And I think that's one of the biggest programmings of this generation, this world is lack programming and we're programming into lack. You know, if I take 
X dollars from someone, then they have less. It's not true because law of compensation, you're giving them so much more and that's going to excel them to new and greater heights. So I think it's just a great topic because a lot of guys, I feel like have this kind of, you know, oh, like, should I be charging or maybe I'll charge really less. But again, like that, you know, um, Leonard that you're talking about, he knew his value was there. So he was okay with charging a thousand. He's like, I'm going to give you way more than a thousand. Honestly, this is mm -hmm. a, a, a huge discount, apparently, you know, of it's what you're going to receive. Exactly. It's priceless. Well, and I'll yeah. get, and I bought his book online for seventeen ninety nine, so you can experience Leonard Orr for seventeen ninety nine. I get it actually today. <laughs> um, but Eric, when you first got started in your entrepreneurial journey with this, did you like go all in, or did you start with group sessions, one on one? Like, if somebody is wanting to do this for themselves and they have a beautiful gift and they are ready to receive and to give what would you recommend them to do or how to start? That's a great question. Um, as far as breath work, when I first, the moment I learned it, I started teaching it, I think that week. And I didn't start doing groups. I started doing one-on-ones and it was very casual for me. And I, and I had to understand how this worked and I had to understand how people would, would react to it. So whatever, I mean, most people, um, start with internships, right? Even in the professional world so they can get that experience. So I considered myself my own intern. So, <laughs> so I just started showing all my friends, showing random people. Um, and, and I started doing small groups, but then my teacher Mahesh said, well, if you really want to do groups, come train with me at Hadi Khan Ashram and I'll show you all the things that, that you really need to know. And wow, going to Hadi Khan, India, was absolutely incredible and uh my teacher dp mahesh is so great and he gave me all the, the the tools i needed to have the confidence to to teach groups because when you're <laughs> when you got 20 people and they're all going through heavy stuff and you got to be there for everybody it's it's a task and uh i enjoy it but one of the the tricks is just to have really good thoughts <laughs> have loving accepting thoughts during breathwork journeys and um so yeah that that's kind of how i did it i just started i started for free and and doing little groups i got trained and then i was off to the races and and i started teaching at festivals just right off the bat and people were like i i, I did some free festivals and uh and people were just like wow and then the, the word started spreading and it's really cool when when i start getting calls and people are like hey will you come teach at our festival so um yeah, I'm teaching a couple of festivals this this uh, this month. I'm doing Lucidity here in Santa Barbara, Southern California, on uh, April seventh, eighth, and ninth. And yesterday, I got invited to teach cool. at a festival called Moon Dust, and that's going to be April twenty first, twenty second, and twenty third. That's right outside of Napa Valley. So it was such an it's such an honor when when I don't have to go out and look for festivals, but when when they start calling me. I'm I'm like, oh, cool. So I'm just honestly, I'm at the beginning of my journey. I mean, I've been doing this for a few years, but I have a, uh, I feel like um, I have a long way to go. Well, now, is the, are these festivals for your breath work or is it for your band, which ah. I saw that you released a new song? Yeah. Is there anything that you want to speak into about your band and that creative sure. vibe that you have going on? Sure. I actually have two musical projects uh, right now, but... Um, I'll talk about that in a second, but uh, no, these festivals, they, they want me to come teach as much as I would. I, I love playing music. Um, 
people would rather have me teach about breathwork and lucid dreaming. But what I'm doing with these two projects, uh, the one uh, project that you mentioned, it's called Space X-Force. It's like a psychedelic rock uh, hypnotic band, in mostly instrumental. Sometimes we have a singer. I get guest singers. But what I'm doing with this project is that I'm, doing, I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, remixing this song and making it available uh, for people to breathe to. So I'm making like an hour version. So it's, it's I mean, it's excellent mu music to breathe to, but some people might not like psychedelic rock. <laughs> so I have this other project called uh, Shivambu, and that is a sort of acoustic rock kirtan band where we sing in Sanskrit mantras. And uh, it's also excellent music to breathe to. So that... Look out for that. That will be out in the next couple of weeks, Shavambu. And there's nothing like it. My buddy Ron John is singing on it. And Ron John is a famous tea server in the, um, in the uh, conscious community. Everybody in the festival circuit knows Ron John. And he's never, he's never fronted a band. He's always um, sang as a backup singer or a responder in these kirtan acts. But, but when me and him sort of joined forces, he said, he say, Eric, you play rock and roll? I've been wanting to start a rock and roll kirtan band. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. Say no more. I'm in. I'm in. So, uh, so that's, those are my two projects that, that can be used for breathing. And while you could drink beer and watch TV and listen to music, or you could wake up at 5 a.m. and listen to music while you're breathing or saying mantras. So you can use music to wake you up, or you can use music to put you to sleep. It all depends on how you use it how you're using your concentration and what your intention is. Well, frequency is I everything. love the combination. Yeah, I love the combination of your two passions because I think that's so cool. a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they start this one endeavor, but then they have this creative endeavor and they're like, oh, you know, I really want to do this. And it's like, we can blend those worlds. Like we can, you know, we can, we're multifaceted human beings. So you don't have to just pick one. And I think that's so cool that you're like, it's such a synergy, like music and best work. Yeah, sign totally. me up. So, um, yeah, yeah. wow, this hour has flown by. This has been incredible. So much value baked in. So thank you so much, Eric. Yes. And I just want to, we're going to put the links below in the show notes and everything and link to your website and Instagram so everyone can find you. But um, what are you offering right now? How can people get connected with you? What's the best way? Um, and if someone is either just new or they're, you know, have been on a journey for a while, what would you suggest their next steps to, you know, start their breathwork and meditation journey? So I am selling an online course at aquarianalchemy.org. It's called Breathwork and Lucid Dreaming 101. Quite simple. So there's a lot of courses online for breathwork. There's a lot of courses online for lucid dreaming but nobody has combined the two. So while it's kind of like a yoga practice, I, I try not to use the word yoga just to not scare anybody off, just like Wim Hof. He's teaching yoga, his version of yoga, but he's not calling it yoga. So um, if you go to aquarianalchemy.org slash go lucid, you could check out my program and, and what I'm offering. And it's a five-week course. It's incredible. Uh, first week, I help people remember their dreams. Second week, I help people concentrate. Third week, it's about visualization. Fourth week, it's about dream incubation and implanting the dream of your choice. And then the fifth week is what you can do once you're lucid. So it, there's nothing oh, cool. like it. And, wow. um, and I hope everybody checks it out. And I'm really excited to, to share this. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I was kicking and screaming uh, as far as putting my work online because I just like working with people in person, you know, but You're I had that. the you first know, I've heard 
that say that. Get in or get out, yeah. you know, like <laughs> get with the yeah. times or not. And uh, so I, I decided. And you help so many more people true. that way too, because there's a lot of people that yeah, can't travel absolutely. to you, right? And there's something else I want to say about making money and, and, and selling uh, healing techniques. Um, people tend to take you more seriously if there's a price tag on what you're offering. And I would, one day, perhaps, I will teach for free. It's actually my dream to share all this for free. That's really, but I, I can't afford it. I have a mortgage. I, I, have, I have things to do. And, and like you said, and the more abundance that I receive, the more I'm able to actually like to give. And so, so putting a price tag on something, even when it comes to spiritual practices, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and I, I, I think I'm giving people a great deal. I'm looking at some of these price tags with other people. I mean, we're talking five grand for a breathwork course, you know, I'm charging less than one grand and people are getting a lot. It's, it's very valuable. And, uh, and plus if anybody signs up, they can have direct contact with me until I get so famous to, I don't, where I don't have time, but, uh, but right now I have time. So <laughs> sign up and, and I'll, I'll help anybody, if, if, whatever they need. I'm, I'm here for his assistance. I love that. And it, it is so true. Law of compensation. As long as you're increasing your value, that's what, you know, you bring to the world and people receive that. And it really is a stigma almost in this, you know, more spiritual community and more these guided practitioners to not charge, but also um, something in sales, because I come from an extensive sales background, people commit with their time and their money. That is just human nature. That's how they commit. So if you mm. have set time for them and you have a monetary whatever that is. And again, like you said, you started for free and you started to scale. And now you're at the mm. point where you mm. feel your value is matched with your monetary compensation or even more value, you know, than your monetary compensation, then that is the natural progression. And anyone should be able to do that and make a great living because that's also stepping into their own, you know, divine abundance is my birthright and being okay with that is so powerful because you know you have the good intentions you have a winning product or winning service that is truly helping people so yeah no it's, it's great that you're doing this we're going to put all the links so everyone can get all the info and definitely sign up it's something that me and adriana are probably like hey why don't we do this together <laughs> can, can i say uh, one one more thing yours. uh for for anybody who um has blockages with making money or feels like they don't deserve money or feels like they don't deserve abundance. Breathwork is an excellent way to get rid of those old, those old blockages. So you can feel confident and you can feel like you are valuable. So, so breathwork and, and making money, they go hand in that. hand. I love that. I'm about to go do a breathwork session right now. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Well, thank Me you too. so much for coming on and giving us your time and your energy and your knowledge and your experience. We're so excited for this podcast to hit our listeners so they can receive everything and pick up what you're putting down. So until next time, we're definitely going to have to do a re-up, uh, another conversation. Eric and I have some things to implement and integrate now after this conversation. So we hope that you'll join us back. But thank you so much for being here. And we will see you all on the next episode. Arrivederci. <laughs> thank you, gals, thank so you. much. You guys thank are amazing. You. Awesome. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. We hope it resonated with you today. Take a look in our show notes to find any links for this episode, our coaching and mentorship opportunities, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. See you in the next episode.